0: welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with business and well-being thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas founder of the 360 brand i'm a life coach speaker writer and podcaster too i am passionate in fact i believe that it is my divine assignment to help generation x women connect with their inner leader the leader that resides in their emotions buried by logic and the desire to be good logic and being good according to someone else's standards is okay for surviving but round here we are in the business of thriving. I use my background in social work, life coach training and my superpower of loving kindness to help women connect to who they really are so they can expand into themselves fully embrace their leadership qualities and relinquish the chaos that exists within the duality of who we are and who we think we should be. My intention for this podcast is to plant seeds and create aha moments that bring you closer to your centre so that you can start to embrace your 360 degrees wholeheartedly. Welcome to episode 74. Today, I'm joined by Ruth Kudsey. Ruth helps coaches and consultants build and scale their businesses. She is also a best-selling author and podcaster. Ruth and I have a really helpful conversation about how systems and strategy unleashes creativity In this conversation, Ruth breaks down how systems and strategies gives our ideas form and creates a nourishing environment for our creativity to flourish. She also highlights how lack of system gives us places to hide and be unproductive. So if you're somebody that fears systems or tends to wait for creativity to strike, I think you'll find this episode really helpful. Okay guys, enjoy. Hello loves, welcome to 360 Conversations. I'm delighted to have you here and I hope that you're well. Um, today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest, Ruth Kudzi. Ruth is a mentor and a coach. She supports women to scale their businesses by looking at their mindset and unpacking the things that hold them back and helping women. Well, my understanding is that she helps women to develop systems and strategies that helps them to flourish. Now, I'm really excited to have Ruth on this podcast. And I know that in the world of kind of like presenting stuff. Um, We often say, I'm so excited. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, But I really, really am excited. And it's going to sound like a really geeky kind of excitement, but I don't care. Um, I'm really (laughs) excited to have Ruth here because what I have seen Ruth share in the world really fits into where I am right now. And it's not about this, um, 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 agreeable kind of stuff that we we kind of do like, Oh yeah, that's great. I agree with you. Yes. Previously Ruth's content I thought wasn't for me because I was, I had the heebie-jeebies to be quite frank about systems and strategies. (laughs) And as I started to explore my love of what I believe joy is, I realized that joy is the symptom, not the underlying factor. As I drilled down and started to do some research and got quite sciencey and academic about it, what I realized is that joy is the result of emotional safe, safety and deep self-connection. Mm. When I looked at myself and studies around wellness, self-care, thriving, flourishing, and all of that, like mental wellness, mental fitness, something that was common was strategies and systems. Mm. So for example, I have a morning routine. There is a huge difference to my life and the way I see the world when I do and don't do my morning routine. Yes that is a system I'm nodding (laughs) (laughs) that is a system that is a strategy once that penny dropped literally I went into Instagram and Ruth popped up and I was like well I'll be damned and I started to view Ruth and her message in a deeper way and understood why at first I was like oh this is great but it's not for me I know that sounds really weird. That's like a really weird introduction. But (laughs) I believe that Ruth's systems and strategies are really soulful, earthy and rooted. Um, So that was like a 60 billion hour introduction. But that is my introduction to the wonder that is Ruth Kudsey. Hello, Ruth.
1: Hello. And I love that because... I would definitely have seen my content as well as like some of the stuff around systems and routines and structures. You know, I naturally, I'm not somebody who thinks that those are exciting things, but actually it's what they allow you to do. Mm -hmm. And what you described to me, I think is definitely a journey that I've been on as well. So I'm sitting here smiling you. and the morning routine thing, I I had a big grin on my face because it's exactly the
0: same for me, Mm -hmm. exactly the same. It makes a big difference. It makes a big um, difference. So, even though I've gushed about my perception of you, Ruth, please could you share for my listeners that haven't had the pleasure mm-hmm. of uh, encountering you yet uh, who you are and what you do? Of course.
1: So, I am Ruth see, I am a qualified coach, a business mentor, author, podcaster. Um, so, I help people. I actually work with men and women. Um, I used to only work with women, but I've changed my focus. So I work with both, Mm -hmm. although still I don't have many men. Um, And I help people who want to build their businesses, really. So it's people who've been in business for a while. Um, Maybe it could be six months, it could be six years, but they're not where they want to be. And they really want to scale that business. Look at things that might not sound that exciting to begin with, like their systems and structures, but also look at their mindset. Look at how they're actually spending their time. And help them to make progress, help them to build that business that they want. Um, So I do that through coaching. I do it through mentoring. I do it through programs that I teach. I do it through events and retreats. So a whole host of different things I I do with people. But really the ultimate goal is that they build a business that they like, that represents them. Mm, That they like,
0: that represents them. Mm. absolutely love that um and and Ruth who is Ruth behind the business behind the scenes tell us a bit about who you are so I'm
1: I'm a mum of two so I've got two little girls they're five and three and I live in southeast London so I'm a Londoner um I've been a Londoner for nearly half my life now so I'm not originally from London I'm originally from about an hour north of London, but I've been living here for nearly half my life. I was going to say for over, um, but I just did a little bit of mental maths there. So (laughs) yeah, for nearly half my life, um, I would definitely say that, you know, I love living in London. So this is, this is, this is where I will stay, but Mm -hmm. at the moment, but we're kind of looking to move to a different part of London. So um, yeah, I'm pretty much, I've been doing this business for about five years, sorry, four years. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm not very good at maths. I'm not very good at maths. Um, so live with my husband and two girls and yeah we're pretty kind of you know I'm I'm not that rock and roll I suppose (laughs) things about me um I used to love travel so I've traveled I've lived in Australia I've lived in America I've lived in New York I've lived in Spain um now we travel less we do still travel as a family and I really Mm -hmm. love that and we have um and we spending more time so we went to Ghana for the very first time this year so my husband's heritage is Ghanaian mm-hmm. and so we're spending more time there so that's like a kind of longer term there might be Ruth Kidsey doing a podcast from Ghana.
0: Oh wow that'll be like I love Ghana that'll be if, so cool. If the wi-fi ever stood up. Oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> that is the one that is the question thank you for sharing Ruth um Let's, let's get into it. So I uh, was on your website and uh, I noted that it said, six years ago, something in me changed. I was no longer looking to settle for mediocre. And I knew that unless I started doing what I really wanted to do, I would live a life with regret, a life I didn't want to live. Changed years ago. What's so funny? I'm like, laughing because I'm like I can't
1: even remember writing that. Of course, because we do our, our, our website and we're like, okay, then let's do the real work now. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Mm. I can't remember writing that. And I do was I do write everything on my website, so I'm laughing at myself. Um, yeah. So six. Well, six years ago. Um, yeah. Actually, six years ago, around this time, um, I. I was working, I was the deputy head teacher in a big London comprehensive. I was single. I was, I wasn't very happy in my life. And I remember going to a wedding and at that wedding, I maybe partook a little bit too much in the free alcohol Mm -hmm. and waking up the next day and thinking I could either like continue to be miserable that I'm single. So a relationship had broken down about a year before, Mm -hmm. um, continue blaming others, or I could do something, I could take ownership. So I then decided, made, made a decision, and whether it was, con, con, I made a conscious decision to do something. So that was, you know, I started doing, I actually started doing yoga. Um, I used to do Bikram yoga all the time then. Mm-hmm. So I start, I did my first 30-day Bikram challenge. I um, started to do meditation, which I'm still not completely committed to every day, but I do more of. Mm-hmm. And I, said right okay I'm going to meet someone so I'm going to go on internet dating because you know I'm I know all of my partners partners before that had been friends of friends or people I worked with and obviously I pretty much run out of the friends of friends by that (laughs) stage um and you know it's hard to meet people when you work with teenagers Mm -hmm. obviously that's Mm -hmm. not really appropriate Mm -hmm. so um I I then started internet dating and in that three months my husband absolutely hates me um (laughs) hates me telling this story um in the three months I've met him and I then we very quickly realized that that was this was it and Mm. we then had our children and then slightly after that um we got married I started my business and everything changed Mm. and I really think it was that conscious moment when I was like actually enough is enough I'm not happy it took me longer to leave my job It's so interesting, isn't it? Like we all feel like this. Yeah. Um at some point.
0: I love that because we often think that it's gonna be some massive, great, big juggernaut (laughs) of a thing that leads us to make changes. But you said that conscious moment, it really is these subtle or not so subtle conscious moments that can change the course of our lives. It really is. And I mean for me it was. A hangover
1: you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest yeah it was a hangover. hangover it wasn't it wasn't like you know it and you know it, I guess it was like that realization that only only you can change and I think I had been and that person that was blaming other people mm-hmm. you know it was my boyfriend's my ex-boyfriend's fault for, for le for leaving it was you know, it was, it was my boss's fault. It was, and I actually realised in that moment that that it was nobody's fault, like, except mm-hmm. for mine, because nobody else was living my life. Ruth. It was, it, was quite, it was quite a hard pill to swallow, I tell mm-hmm. you that. I think I did quite a bit of crying that morning.
0: <laughs> Listen, this personal development mindset stuff is not a walk in the park, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like being dragged no, through a bush um, sometimes. yeah, And this... So I've written down some points that I would like to cover. And this is really nicely leading into something that I had written down, uh, which was about taking personal responsibility. Um, I think this is a really big one, um, especially as we live in a blame culture. We're, We're constantly looking for a place to lay blame. Um, mm. And Sometimes there is blame, but I think what we're talking about here is um, steering the ship of our lives. And, and as you said, um, it, it's, it's down to us and, and it is a tough pill to swallow. Um, may I ask, what does um, taking personal responsibility mean to you? What does it look like for me,
1: it's about actually with everything that we know, be, everything that we know, everything that we do, being conscious around it and understanding that we are directly responsible for taking that action. So, or that inaction. So, you know, if we, if we, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of a really silly example. If we don't put our rubbish out on the rubbish day and it doesn't get collected, that's our fault. Mm-hmm. If we um, you know, if we don't, if we don't pay a bill on time and we get, we get, you know, and we get a, my, like my husband doesn't pay things by a direct debit. So like, if he doesn't pay his phone bill on time, which basically happens every month, I don't know why he doesn't do it. Um, you know, then he might get a late fee. I don't yeah. think he ever does. I don't know why. I don't know why he is like so archaic on that. <laughs> you know, it's every single thing from those smallest things, if we, don't exercise we're not going to feel as good you know everything ultimately but also you know it's about how we respond when things happen to us now we can't control what happens to us we can't control that we can't control anyone else we can't we can't say what's going to happen in the next second Mm -hmm. however we can control how we respond and we can take responsibility for that and this i find for me was the hardest pill to swallow because i used to be um very reactive so if something happened I would react and I would react straight away and you know often often I would be like quite fiery and I actually realized that over time especially when I was you know a deputy head teacher maybe I was reacting rather than responding that I wasn't serving anyone Mm. and actually I was annoying people and I was making my team feel a little bit um a little bit uncomfortable at times Mm -hmm. um and so that personal responsibility not only for what what we do but also for how we react I think that's 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 really important yeah I mean it's it's still a journey I'm definitely not 100% there yeah yeah yeah
0: gosh um I was thinking today and and I I shared on my Instagram stories today, actually, um, because women that I'm working with, I'm I'm hearing a lot of, um, I can't, and I'm feeling a lot of resistance around something Mm -hmm. and thinking about that personal responsibility piece. And this isn't for everybody. There are some people that have genuine reasons and before people get triggered and want to be really defensive, I'm talking <laughs> about people that have actually done the work and know in their minds differently, but are, are, are behaving differently. Mm-hmm. So something that um, I was saying on the Instagram story is um, replace the word can't or resistance with won't and say mm-hmm. it out loud and see how that feels, how you experience that. Because I'm I'm thinking, if you're, let's look at love. You brought up um, relationships and taking action with your relationship. There are women that I speak to that say things like, um, I find it really difficult to allow people to, 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 I find it really difficult to receive love, or Mm. I find it really difficult to trust. And they've done work, they've unpicked, they've unpacked, they've repacked and whatever else. So imagine saying instead to yourself, I won't receive mm-hmm. love, I won't trust. I, I feel that in the pit of my stomach. It, it, I, I think that it can compel you to start to act differently. And I think, yes, we need to be compassionate, we need to be empathetic, but sometimes we need to have a grown-up chat with ourselves and take responsibility. Mm we really do
1: and it's the hardest thing to do at times it's really hard yeah it's really hard to say i made a mistake Mm -hmm. i'm human and i made a mistake and but when you do that's that's when the real growth happens Mm -hmm.
0: and and you create space for you to recognize your humanity and other people also um So my background is uh, social work. I was a social worker, uh, child protection, children and family social worker for 15 years or whatever. And um, I was in court very often, high Mm. court, local court, London court, out of London court, I've been there. And something, and, and it wasn't intentional at all. It's not like it was staged. It wasn't strategic, but if parents and the uh, barristers for the parents or the guardian's barrister raised a mistake that I had made. Mm. If I damn well knew that I had made a mistake, instead of being defensive or trying to use, trying to blame or trying to find an excuse, Mm. I would take responsibility and I would apologise and if it was, if I needed to apologize to a parent, regardless of what they had done or not done that impacted their ability to parent, I would look them straight in the eye, make con- my concession and apologize. Mm. And that for, 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 I would literally see in the courtroom for a moment, I became a human being mm. And for judges. It was quite, cause judges will, give their judgment and they will comment on the input of the various parties and something that would always put me in good stead was the judge seeing that I made concessions and wasn't trying to make out like I was perfect no one wants perfection it's fake
1: oh my gosh it's so fake and it I I think it actually scares people as well I Mm. think you know I think people start to measure themselves by this really weird, um, this really weird rule that, yeah, you know, this really weird measure or, or ruler, as I was going to say, ruler, um, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. And, and, and they think, well, if they're perfect, I can't show up as me. Because actually, none of us are perfect. We've all mm-hmm. got flaws. We all do things, you know, I mentioned earlier about the meditation every day. I don't meditate every day. Mm -hmm. In my head, I meditate every day. I also, also, you know, journal for half an hour every day. I don't. I've got two kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, But (laughs) I do lots of other things. And I think it's really about, you know, owning the fact that we're not perfect and we can do things that sometimes aren't, you know, aren't great. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we're a bad person. It
0: means that we're actually human. Oh, absolutely. And, um, I know this may seem um, basic because what we're talking about here is, or what I think we're talking about here is kind of mindset work that allows us to accept ourselves. Um, Why is um, mindset work and inner connection so important to business growth? I think
1: because if you're not connected with what you're doing, then it's really difficult, actually, to motivate yourself, and it's really difficult to take other people on that journey with you. I think it, it's it, it might be different if you didn't have a personal, a personal brand business. So mm-hmm. if we're thinking about coaches, consultants, personal trainers, yoga, t- we've all got a personal brand business. So the business is actually very much based on our brand, mm. and I think that often we we don't we take that lightly and really actually if we don't if we don't have that connection on the inside that authentic connection other people are not going to buy into us if we're not actually truly us People won't build that relationship. People won't want to buy from you. So your business is going to struggle. And also you're going to struggle because energetically, if you're trying to be something that you're not, I can't even, you know, at the beginning, I couldn't even remember how many years I've been in business, mm-hmm. let alone something that was untrue. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's the big thing about authenticity is, is it connects people with you. And that includes vulnerability. That doesn't mean that you need to do, hashtag vulnerable post. yeah it means about being actually you and as I said before that is about that not being perfect so I think the more that you can connect with who you are the more other people will, will connect with you it is about energy it's very much about energy and that that kind of connection
0: mm. yeah gosh um so thinking about uh mindset work and mindset workers um uh, kind of like a self-care mm. um, uh, what I've been surprised by is actually um like I, you you think you know yourself so you walk around in this shell you <laughs> think you know yourself then you start to do this inner work and get surprised so one of my biggest surprises is that and I'm talking like profound surprise is that what I walked around for a good 38 years perceiving as my weakness, when I started to do mindset work um, and really take responsibility and be honest with myself not looking to blame, but actually Mm. looking to empathize and understand. Mm. I was so surprised when I found that what I thought was my weakness, like what I thought was my ultimate weakness, weakness, has Mm. turned out to be my absolute ultimate strength that is like a magnet for my clients now. Mm. What has surprised you the most about your mindset work? Oh my gosh! I always thought that it was um,
1: it was like a it, it it was something else. So I always thought it was something else. that was the, the issue, mm-hmm. and only recently did I realise that it wasn't something else. It was actually something quite straightforward. And I also think about the mindset work is that you never, ever, ever believe, um, you you never know what's coming next. So you think you've done all this work and I'm smiling because I've been doing a lot of work on mindset recently, especially around like money mindset. So I thought it was about money. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about money. So I always thought it was about money and that's what I thought it was, but it wasn't about money. And for me, I'd always had this image that I could earn money, but I couldn't keep it.
0: Oh, my gosh, Ruth. Yes. That's, yes.
1: Yes. I relate. Yeah. But actually, it wasn't about money. It was about how I saw myself. And, and it, it was so interesting. But, but whenever I do mindset work, I think, wow, I, I've got that sorted. Actually, I don't anymore. But for a long time, I thought, wow, I've got that sorted. I can do that now. Um, and then something else comes along. And you're like, oh, okay okay I haven't got that sources. <laughs> it's that new levels new devils kind oh of my point. gosh yeah. yeah and actually you know it's really exposing being an entrepreneur because in our jobs what we did is we would get the work done even if we didn't feel good enough even if all of these things were going on because I mean we're both working with with young people mm-hmm. um but also because our bosses would check on us and ultimately yeah. most people I know are good girls. So, yes. you know, we want to do well. So we would, we would do things because we had that accountability. Um, so <laughs> It was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely a huge, um, a huge learning curve, all of the mindset work it's never done. And it is probably not what you think it is. Probably not. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, yes. Oh my gosh. So one of my things was before, uh, for example, okay, the money thing. The money thing, being able to earn it but not um keep it, that for me was conflated with, and, and I see this a lot in teachers, nurses, social workers, because our work is hard. And the remuneration does not match what you do. It's almost as if, for me, the the money piece was when I earned money, what I thought was easily, I never felt like I was eligible to keep it because I haven't grinded for it. I didn't nearly Mm. deplete myself um, for it. And I had to really, um, really, really check myself because it's that whole – Notion of overworking and overstretching yourself being considered as normal when it's not. It's unhealthy. It, it wasn't the job. It's the way the job was structured, and I carried mm. that through into my entrepreneurial journey. Mm. It's mad. It is it's not mad. It's not mad. It makes perfect sense. And when you register, when you see it, you can unpick it.
1: Mm. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's, it's more and more and it is, you know, I see so many people. So I think that, that I was at a bit of an advantage because I, w- I had a background in sales and recruitment before I went into education. So I had a wow. slightly different view, which has really helped me. But so many people, like so many people I work with, teachers, nurses, social workers. Um, yeah you know and and actually even people who aren't from those professions will say but I'm helping somebody so if I'm helping somebody (sighs) I shouldn't Mm -hmm. watch the shoulds guys I shouldn't get paid for it because I'm helping them and they need help and I'm a nice person and then it goes into that you know and and I always the, the thing that I always think is you know that question I said it to somebody today actually like do they pay your mortgage? You know, are you, are you able to be in a position where you can help these people and still live in your house and
0: mm-hmm.
1: for your kids?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it helps reframe. Mm-hmm. I think I was that harsh over this morning. Like, does she pay your mortgage? Mm-hmm. Let's ignore her.
0: <laughs> no, I think sometimes we need that. Ouch. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, about myself. Um, speaking of sales, actually, I've noticed that you talk quite a bit about sales and not being salesy. And when you are in a knowledge-based, service-based profession where you think, oh my goodness, I'm being nice. You're not. You're using skills and experience that you've acquired over the years. And we spend so much money um, investing in ourselves to uh, improve and expand our knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. That we, we, we uh, are not just being nice people, we're actually being really skilled people. Um, but from what I've seen from you, it feels like, um, you're, well, when I've listened to you, because I did a bit of YouTube stalking and Instagram <laughs> stalking and stuff, what came across is that for me, anyway, this is how I received it that sales is about um, connection. Yeah. Please, could you share some insights for in relation to sales not being salesy? Because we've got to sell. We're in business. We're not in, you know, vanity projects. We're 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 in business. We need to we need to sell. We need to pay bills. We need to buy clothes. And we don't even just need to do those things. It's nice for us to be able to go on a luxury holiday if we fancy it.
1: Definitely. And we, there's no reason why we need to feel bad about that. There's no reason. None. I think um, it's sales as service. So for me, all of this, you know, sales is about building relationships and serving that person and giving people the products and the services that are going to get them the results that they want. So sales isn't about you pushing something on somebody that they don't want. It's about you understanding what their needs are and how you can meet their needs. Now, obviously we're in a service-based business and I always use this example. We go to the hairdresser and we say we want our hair like this. The hairdresser will always interpret that as, um, you know, and it might not be exactly how you described it, especially if you weren't clear. Mm -hmm. So when we're in service-based businesses, we need to make sure that we're really clear with the people that, that come to us and we ask the questions so we can get as much clarity as possible about what they want and then we can serve them Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: when when I see mismatches it is like you go to the hairdresser and you say oh I want to look like Jennifer Aniston but you don't say you want to look like her now you they they (laughs) they assume you want to look like her in Friends and give you a Rachel haircut and then you're crying because you're like is isn't what I wanted. Yeah, I think that this can be the mismatch in sales, which is why relationships are so important and really understanding people. So, you know, asking people questions, but people buy from people and they want to see going back. They want to see that you're authentic. They want to see that you care. They want to see that you can do what they're paying you for. Mm. So it is about that honesty
0: as well. So... I'm wondering, what is it, in your experience, what is it that holds people back? So people create this beautiful product or service. Let's stick to services. We're talking about service industry here. People create these beautiful services. They know the power of the services that they create. They know that they have something to offer or they believe they have something to offer. And quite often they've invested heavily in being able to be the best they can be in that moment to deliver this service. Mm. What, What stops us moving forward?
1: Fear. It's always fear. It's always fear. And I think it's fear of the unknown, fear of changing, fear that change could be different fear that we might be rejected fear that we might be a failure fear that we might be too successful and if we're too successful that might mean stress and if that means stress that might impact our relationships again that's fear of change Mm -hmm. I think it's always fear don't I mean it is always fear I I believe it's always fear. ouch (laughs) ouch I, I, I do think you know I think that we can have things that stop us Um, obviously like knowledge can stop us but actually we can find that knowledge if we really want to Mm -hmm. but it might mean that we have to say that we don't know it might mean that we have to put our head above water and say I'm struggling and again that comes back to fear doesn't it we don't want to do that because we don't want people to know that we're struggling or that we don't know um yeah but how you get rid of fear is, a, is, a, is another podcast altogether. I don't no, really absolutely. completely get rid of it. Yeah. We can move past it and acknowledge it.
0: Parking that to um, one side, that the piece that you said, the piece that really interested me um, in all of those iterations of fear was yes. the fear of success. Yes. So um, something that comes up a lot... Uh, in my coaching practice is that success means basically people are conflating success with burnout they think that they're going to be really tired and really you know frazzled what do you say to that kind of method of thinking
1: oh my gosh I think it's really really common that people often especially people from the corporate world and if they're from the public sector like we are we were success means more work more work means stress which means less time for yourself less self-care because in the UK we seem to have morphed into this culture and I think it's changing but definitely for a a good portion of us when we were working it used to be that you'd work long hours Mm -hmm. I mean I worked in recruitment in my early 20s and you'd work 12-hour days that was normal We didn't even have social media. So we used to like send endless mundane emails to our friends and things. Gosh knows what we're doing. Um, (laughs) But you know, that would be like 12 hour days. And then in education and in a lot of public sector jobs, it's kind of like they're desperately underfunded. So you work longer hours because you believe that you can make a difference if you work longer hours. And we have no concept. I don't know why we don't have this concept of actually that you're more productive, you perform better if you work less. At, but but this, is not in the, this is not in the English psyche yet. Mm-mm.
0: It's
1: not something that we take on board. We expect if you work hard, you get results. And I've got no idea where this has come from, but this is like a belief that nearly every person I speak to says, and lots of people have become close to burnout, which is why they've started businesses, but they're so scared of going back there mm. that they then unconsciously self-sabotage. And it's so common. It's so
0: common. Um, so common. Oh, so much. So much there. Uh, the, the This working hard um, piece, it's really debilitating I, I too worked in recruitment not for very long um and the the um the whole notion of presenteeism it was wild and there was a colleague of mine so our manager often not often i think we started work at 9 she wanted us in at the latest 8.30 or quarter past eight something like that and I could never ever understand why I always thought if I am sitting at my desk ready to work at nine o'clock shouldn't that be enough mm. but there was a colleague of mine that used to get like comment uh, commended or whatever the word is um because she would be at work for long hours <laughs> he was bloody playing solitaire half the time But because she was there behind that desk, it was viewed as she was working hard. And I I, I can't remember what I was reading this for, but I was reading something like um, in a eight hour day. So you you work for eight hours, but you have your hour hour lunch break or whatever. Yeah. There was um, a time in motion study or whatever it's called. And people were generally working for three out of those, let's say seven hours. Hmm. I mean, when they shortened the day, people got more work done. Yeah, because people,
1: I think there's a resentment as well, isn't there, when people are working those really long hours. I mean, we, we, I actually used to work for the international team for quite a bit. And so um, we, international, like we work for, in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we used to get in an hour earlier at seven and be able to leave at seven. But what we did is we we clocked on that nobody else got in until quarter to eight. So we used to all get in there at, like, 20 to eight. And mm-hmm. whoever got there first, we'd put, like, a couple of coats out and then go, go <laughs> to prep and, and pretend that, like, we were getting, like, coffees, but we would yeah. getting everyone's first coffee. So, um, yeah, if anyone if anyone on my old team's reading that, that's what we did. So we were <laughs> never there from seven. We always just pretended. We'd cover each other's backs and be like, oh, no, no, they've gone to a meeting. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Um, yeah we 've already seen them today, but it was ludicrous because you all you did is it ended up resenting it but but that whole work hard if you want to get ahead, you have to work hard i mean maybe that 's a message that we used to get when we were younger, but it 's definitely in so many people so many people 's psyche and it 's yeah. having to unpick that
0: yeah no um absolutely because I think especially as an entrepreneur or somebody that works um doing things that are like artistically creative. If you're an entrepreneur, you're constantly creating. Mm. And um, I think it was in the artist way. I was reading something about how the creative mind requires more rest because it requires more work to be creative because you're not, you're not constantly treading down the same path. You're mm. constantly creating new pathways, which requires um, more energy. That makes sense. Mm, that's what I think as well. If you think about children who play and they live in their creative minds most of the day, I know that some children have sleep issues or whatever. But if your children have had a full on day of creating, they're knackered come bedtime because mm-hmm. they and they need that twelve hours sleep because they've been deep in creative mode. And I think we need to remember that um, adults are are well. Are humans just like children really yeah
1: we definitely need to remember that and yeah you do see it I can I can hear like the the background that my kids are are arriving back but they're not going to come in so don't worry people who are listening (laughs) yeah I mean yes but they definitely they definitely do sleep more because they are always creative and they're always Mm -hmm. learning and we can take that on
0: absolutely so I want to come into uh, systems and strategy because um, once I had my realization, um, I was like looking at your content with love eyes. Uh, <laughs> how can systems and strategy help us create connections and grow? Because
1: they help keep us
0: accountable.
1: I think that when we uh, and when we know what we're doing, it has a purpose. And I think that that makes us more intentional and it also makes us, it isn't about, Oh, I've got this purpose to connect with all these people, but it's actually connecting to that bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Why am I here? How am I connecting? Um, you know, it's, it's so important to actually build those connections. And I think that if you don't have the strategy in place, you do things willy nilly, you're scattered to gun and you're not focused on actually what's going to help you progress progress not progressed Mm -hmm. and if you don't have structure um I always remember as a teacher we'd say structure liberates and um but it does because then you can be creative but when there are no rules you know you've got nothing to you don't have to do anything and as an entrepreneur we all know and if there are people listening on here who've never done this and um You're definitely more disciplined than me. We all know how easy it is to actually not do very much. And you can spend the day, you know, basically chatting to people and not really doing anything and not really moving on. So, um, you know, having those structures in place, starting your day well with a morning routine, which doesn't have to be hours long, but, you know, taking breaks, all of those things help you make more progress and they help Mm. you actually then be able to find that joy and that creativity. So it's not about, you know, making it all boring and regimented. It's about using systems and structures to support you.
0: Ooh, Ruth. <laughs> oh, gosh. I remember when I thought that systems and strategy were the antithesis of creativity mm. and oh gosh, exactly what you're saying, I just look back at days and days and days of literally just feeding my ego, Mm. scattered, doing a little bit here, doing a little bit there, feeling like I was really busy, doing not very much much, and then thinking, oh my gosh, where's the time gone?
1: yeah where's the
0: time gone because I I haven't got this
1: and I think we rebel against structures and strategy because we think because it used to be enforced on us at work and we might have had to work those 12-hour days or whatever we rebel against them but actually we realize that for most of us especially if you're a creative person and a creative thinker you get distracted so if you don't have that in place you're literally not going to do anything oh my gosh and I'm laughing (laughs) Yeah, you might make a nice graphic for Instagram, and then before you know it, it's time to make dinner.
0: Oh, Ruth, Ruth, <laughs> Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. oh that, that literally was my life until I started to use my calendar differently. So it looks really, really regimented. Um, it was something that my coach was like, You need to have a proper system. And mm. I was like, I don't even know how to create a proper system. Um, and once I did that, it was literally like, um, tending the soil so that the plants could bloom. And I have found that I'm more creative within the system than I was when I was scattered all over the place, trying to be, um, creative Mm. and make more money. Let's be all the way real. And I'm making more money. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're actually doing stuff. And do you use any tools? Because something that I found really helpful, because I was in distraction mode um, and I was living life like I was Instagram. So being refreshed every minute, I downloaded this app called Flora because I'd heard about the Pomodoro method. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I'd heard about the Pomodoro method um, and I found it difficult to do it on my own. So I got this app called Flora and you can set it for however long. I do really well with 25 minute chunks and sometimes I get into such a deep flow state that the alarm comes and goes and I'm, I'm so in what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. Um, do you have any tips for, um, things that could help us with being more accountable to ourselves with our time?
1: Yeah. So we use, so I've got someone who works with me, yes. you know, to to yeah. um, so uh, but we use something called Asana, which is like a project management tool. But mm-hmm. I do it for myself as well, so that I can set tasks for a particular day and I can set follow-ups. Yeah, That's a really good way of doing it. And I use good old-fashioned Google Calendar. Yes. It's not that old-fashioned, is it? Um, <laughs> it is the these days. No, um, And I block things out. And then what I do, and this is from recruitment days, in the, before, I, before I finish for the evening... I look at my next day and I plan it out and I put my breaks in I put everything down on that piece of paper, I put any exercise classes, put anything that I need to do. Um, you know, like if I need to call the kids school or do anything, I put that all in my calendar and then it's all there. And I find that that really helps. That isn't an app that is really old fashioned. That's called a pen and a piece of paper. I actually Um. used to print it off when I worked in recruitment, but we don't, our printer stopped working and we don't have a printer do people have printers at home or is it only only the kids that don't (laughs) maybe it's only the kids that don't yeah
0: Yeah. I do I do do love a printer (laughs) yeah you are that's it you're you're very very ethical exactly um yeah I I think that um you know when you're working on your own so when you used to work when you worked in an office or within a team or whatever you were accountable to other people even Mm. if you weren't really like answering to the people sitting around you, the idea of sitting down idly or playing about on your phone or whatever whilst everybody else is working, for me, that was um, an incentive. So I had to think about um, using tech To support me Um, Mm. so you know for example I've toyed with different ones but the ones that I'm settled on at the moment is um, FreshBooks for accounting um, and this Uh and that and the other Um, and something that I was thinking about because I've seen it all over the place and then I heard you talking about it was and this isn't uh, sponsored or whatever I was (laughs) interested because I heard Ruth talking about it and I've heard so many people talking about it is um, Kajabi. Mmm. Oh yeah,
1: Kajabi. So Kajabi is basically, and there's lots and lots of other of other platforms that are similar. Kajabi is great because you can put all of your kind of course content up there. You can. We are transitioning. We are going to send my website, so it's up there. You can have landing pages. You can send emails. So it's all in one place. Yeah. Um. I'm not using the functionality to the full effect you know, I'll be completely honest. Um, but I always say if it's good enough for Brendan Bouchard, it's Hello. good enough for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
1: totally. <sighs> it's about Gosh. keeping it simple, isn't it? And, and actually so many of us complicate things and complicate everything.
0: Um, I don't know why, I don't know why we do. I think it's a human condition. I think so too. And so much so that, um, I was saying this to coaching clients. So like, there was one in particular that would constantly be taking like 10 steps backwards to take the one step forward. So I said, I want you to write in bubble writing on an A4 sheet of paper and put it where you're going to see it all the time, make it easy. And I thought, damn, Tammy, you're talking to yourself. So I have got that up there because we we do um, overcomplicate. It's almost like, I think it feeds into that narrative of it has to be hard to be meaningful. If it's simple, Mm. I remember I had an event with uh, my friend Nicola. We do a series of events called Wellness is Wealth. And the Mm. first one, well, the the first two, we've only done two, but they've been so easy. The first one, like, we were almost pinching ourselves, like, was this real? Did we both share a dream or something? Because it was so simple. But then Mm. I said to her, we have to take stock we decided we set the intention that this was going to be easy at the beginning but it's almost like we couldn't believe our intention because we're still although the behavior is different the mindset is still stuck in the hard work Mm. frame of mind Mm. so interesting it is so interesting do you have any other um resources books podcasts Um, or whatever that you can recommend to listeners that are curious about adopting systems and strategies okay amy porterfield's
1: podcast is a massive go to i would say she's really good Um, brendan bouchard's book so high performance habits is a really really good book um, if you're looking at systems and strategies hal elwood the miracle morning and the miracle equation are both really really good too Um, and any James Webmore podcasts they are some that are a bit more woo-woo but they're always really interesting as well but I would say his podcast so James Webmore Amy Porterfield podcast Brendan Bouchard High Performance Habits and Hal Elrod I can never say it properly Um, Miracle Morning and Miracle
0: Equation. We're not afraid of woo around here so that's all good but hold up wait a minute Ruth Kudsey what about your book? Yeah, my book. I mean, my
1: book, to be honest, is not so much. My book is about people who want to change their career. Right. some good bits in there. And my new book, my new book's going to be a bit more woo. It's all, all a bit more about um, self-coaching and self-discovery. So I'm really looking forward to actually
0: finishing writing it and then bringing it out. <laughs> we, we haven't got our cameras on for this recording <laughs> to make sure that our sound doesn't get impacted with bandwidth youth, um, bandwidth youth, use. Yes. Uh, Ruth... If you can see my face right now, when you said I'm writing a book that's a bit more woo, <laughs> my face is lit up. Yay! Bring <laughs> I, on the way. I, I, and you know what, right? I was drawing to a close, but I do have to uh shoehorn this in. What we call woo, I would like to refer to as metaphysics. Mm. And... As um, science and technology is advancing, we are now having a lot more evidence to support these practices that may be more spiritual or woo-woo, metaphysical, whatever you want to call it. I I know that years ago... um, meditation, for example, was dismissed as for hippies and and whatever else. And now there is credible science that shows the benefits of meditation. Um, I remember talking to somebody about visualisation and they said it was woo-woo. And I was like, you're saying it's woo-woo, but visualisation is a technique that um, high performance sports coaches use with their sports clients. Um, so I think it's, I think what I would invite people to do is be open because let's be quite frank, how we've been operating thus far has resulted in mental ill health crises left, right and center. We, 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 I think we need something not necessarily new. It's like going back to what we were doing before industrialization. It is. I agree. Um, So before I get onto another tangent, Ruth, do you have any offerings that would be of use to people that want to address their mindset, look at their strategies, become more comfortable with sales or anything else that is covered by your beautiful roster of services? Do you know what? I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a couple of um, opt ins that I have, one of which is about sales, about being salesy, mm-hmm. and the other one, which is about 90 day planning. So I will share these with you so you can share them with your audience. Thank you. Um, you can also check out my website, which is Ruth Kidsey and follow me on any social media so you can find out a little bit more about
0: what I talk about. Perfect. I will make sure there are links in the show notes. Thank you. And before we actually really close, may I ask, what does everyday joy mean to you? It means
1: smiling, smiling more in the day. And it means being grateful for the little things and really, you know, beyond that gratitude, actually enjoying it and enjoying the moment.
0: (sighs) I feel like a flower that has just <laughs> bloomed. Oh. Thank you so much for your time. I have really enjoyed talking to you and um, busting some myths around systems and strategy.
1: I really love talking to you, T. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast. Like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience, and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.